0: The church is meant to stand apart from the world in holiness and purity. As members of that church, we are meant also to stand apart from the world in holiness and purity. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Serving Christ in Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jake Olson, and again, I'm glad that you're listening today. I did send out a little blurb earlier on some updates I were doing here, and so I want to go through those again for you just to keep you in the loop of what's going on. Our email for the show still is servingchristinhealthcare at gmail.com, and you can send any questions or comments about this or about the other things that Serving Christ in Healthcare is doing. You can send those there, and I'd be happy to respond to those for you. You can also follow us on Twitter. The Twitter handle is servingchristhc. I'm assuming you'd be able to find it if you searched Serving Christ in Healthcare, but I'm not sure. And we're also on Facebook at Serving Christ in Healthcare. And finally, we have a blog now as well, which is the web address servingchristinhealthcare.home.blog. Servingchristinhealthcare.home.blog. And there specifically, I'm trying to do some writing on current events in healthcare and how that relates to our worldview as Christians. And so I have one series up right now on the opioid crisis, which I enjoyed writing and I think would be really useful to people to help them think about it. So that's there for you to go look at, and you can also comment on the blog as well. And the email address is listed there too. So we're going to continue now with 1 Corinthians. We're going to finish chapter 3 today with verses 16 through 23. So I'm going to read that now, verses 16 through 23 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, This is in ESV. It says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or the present, or the future, all are yours. And you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So that is the end of chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians. Now, Paul is circling back to a couple topics that he has hit already and that we have discussed thoroughly on this podcast. Those are in verses 18 through 21 specifically, where Paul is talking about the wisdom of the wise, the wisdom of the world, that it is folly with God and how wise God is, that it is futile to think the thoughts of the world to follow in their wisdom, and that we should not boast in men. So those topics have been covered In-depth, in episodes 4 and 5 of this season of the podcast, the first one, episode 4, was titled Wisdom and Power, and the second one, episode 5, was titled Boasting. So Paul is just touching back. He really does this in an amazing way where he circles back. He's going through an argument, and this argument circles back to what he was talking about before so that he can address multiple things at the same time. It's really incredible the way that he's able to do that. So I'm going to kind of breeze over those verses since we've talked about those before, and we're going to talk specifically more in depth about verses 16 and 17, and then the last couple verses, verse or the end of verse 21 through the end of verse 23. So verses 16 and 17, Paul says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, if you listened to the last show, we just finished talking about building on other people's foundations. That foundation must be Jesus Christ. And we're building on it, and we want those things that we build to last into heaven. To survive the last day. To go through fire, as Paul says here. So, we just finished talking about this. How we're all working in each other's hearts, we're all building on a foundation in other people, ourself included. And so we just finished saying that if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And then Paul says, "Do you not know that you are God's temple?" So I have a footnote in my version here in verse 16 for the "you" when he says, "Do you not know that you are God's temple?" It says that the Greek for you is plural in this verse and in verse 17. So really what he's trying to say is y'all. Do you not know that y'all are God's temple? Now I'm not from the South, so I can't really pass that as something that I normally say. So I'll just say you all. Do you not know that you all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you all? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you all that temple now we could take this one of two ways I think it could mean that each of you is God's temple individually or it could mean that you all collectively as a group are God's temple now I think both are true and I think both of them can be implied here but I'm gonna focus on one and the reason is is because when he says you all are God's temple If we're to take him as referring to individual people, which is true, that's actually something that he addresses later. In 1 Corinthians 6.19, he talks about each of us being God's temple, our body, our individual bodies being God's temple. So I'm going to take that opportunity in 1 Corinthians 6.19 to dive deeper into that part of it. And so right now, I'm just going to address this as though he is speaking to them as the church. You all, you all, the church are God's temple. Now, when we say that you all are God's temple, what do we mean by God's temple? Well, there was a temple in the Old Testament that was where God dwelled. That's where he met with Moses before it was an actual temple. It was a tabernacle at that time, but same difference. Then in the temple, it's where God Dwelt with Israel. It's where the people go to offer sacrifices. It's where the priests would offer to God. It's where God would meet the people there. And so the sense that we're getting is that this is where God is. God is there. And when we're talking about the church, the church is now God's temple. God is there. He is in the church. That is where he meets with his people. That's where they meet with God. And that is how God tells the world about himself. It is through the church. And Paul says this elsewhere that it is through the church that the wisdom of God is made known. So the church is very important just as the temple was very important. When you read through the Old Testament, it is very clear that the temple was incredibly important and that the things they did there were incredibly important. And God wants us to view it that way, that the place where God dwells with us is a holy place. It is vitally important. And this is how it was intended to be from the beginning in the Garden of Eden. That was God's temple, the Garden of Eden was where he met with them, he walked with them, he imparted wisdom to them. And that was a special place. And that place disappeared when we chose sin. And so now we are viewing another temple, the church, the new temple that God is working through. And so we can already take from implication of what happened in Eden, that if we give ourselves over to impurity and to sin and to doing whatever we want, That will end God's temple, the one that we're involved with. That will do damage to God's temple. That will end, that will sever communion with God if we're living in sin. That's just one implication we can get from the Garden of Eden. But here, the church is God's temple. God's spirit dwells in the church. If anyone destroys the church, God will destroy them. This is what happened in Eden. Adam and Eve... They destroyed God's temple because of their sin. Therefore, God destroyed them. He gave them over. They were now in sin. They were in bondage and slavery. They were cast out of the Garden of Eden, which was God's temple. They were cast out of the temple. So God destroyed them for destroying God's temple. Now the temple in the Old Testament as well. The temple was destroyed, and God eventually had revenge on the enemies that destroyed the temple. Babylon was destroyed. And Babylon is used as an image of the evil in the world. In Revelation, Babylon is what's getting destroyed. So God takes vengeance on those who destroy his temple, who destroy his church. It says, for God's temple or his church is holy, and you as the church are that temple. So the point Paul's making here is the importance of the church, how valuable it is. And this can be instructive for us, just aside from healthcare, but just how important the church of God is. The church, when we become saved, we're saved into a, a universal church, right? But we also have our individual churches. Now it is through the church, through these collection of churches, that God is wanting to make himself known in the world. The church is meant to be a symbol of purity and holiness. It's, spo- it's supposed to be set apart from the world and a light to the world, right? We are a light, let your light shine that they may see your good works. Or Jesus says, this is how they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, we can't love one another when we're by ourselves. We love one another when we are a part of the church, when we are gathering with people in Jesus' name. Being part of a church is incredibly important. Not to mention just being at church, which a lot of people neglect, but being a Participant in a church, being a member in a church, devoting yourself to the church, to build each other up, to as a group of people serve Christ and be a witness to the outside world and also to advance the purposes of God in the world. That's what the church is meant to do. We're not meant to do this as individual Christians. God saved us into a group of people. That group of people is the church. That church is God's temple, it is where He dwells, it's where He lives, it's where. He manifests himself. And it is through the church that God is making his wisdom known to the world and to the unseen world, the angels and demons. Paul says that God is doing that through the church. He's putting demons to shame through the church. That's crazy, but that's what he's doing through the church that we get to be a part of. So he's highlighting the importance of the church. And we're playing off of this previous section where Paul's talking about building on people's foundations. You know, we have the foundation of Jesus Christ in our hearts, and we are building upon that. Other people are building upon that to build up, to honor Christ, to give glory to him. And so Paul is saying, this is another reason to take care in how you do that, because as a church, we are God's temple. It is holy. We need to build in a way that would honor him. So that's the first point. Now Paul jumps into the let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God, for it is written he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. So that that's the point Paul's making. That's why he's bringing this out, is because they were boasting in men. We saw this earlier on. They were boasting in which leader they were following. And Paul is telling them, you as a whole are God's temple. You are a church. You are the church right? No reason to boast in your leader. That's what fools do. That's what the world says you should do, is, oh, this guy is great. We're going to follow him. This guy's got it together. We follow him. We are with him. He's my friend. He's my dad, all this other stuff, you know. People are boasting in these things. That is what the world does. The world does that because they are not part of the church. They do not realize that the church as a whole, as a group of people, they're the ones that are honoring God as a group. So let no one boast in men. We are one church. We are God's temple. He is dwelling with us. So I think that's why Paul puts in this little section on wisdom again. He's tying it back to what he was talking about earlier, to bring that in, and then also to use it as the ground for saying, let no one boast in men, because they're foolish. Right? Men of the world are foolish. The wisdom is from God, and we shouldn't boast, we shouldn't divide the church by our boasting in certain people, because we are one church. We should be united, we are God's temple. If we are destroying God's temple, the church, in who we're boasting in, that's a problem. As we have seen in this passage, and in the Garden of Eden, and in the Old Testament, altogether. So, then going on, he says, So then no one boasts in men for... So this is a because, because all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. You are Christ and Christ is God's. So his reason then for saying, do not boast in men. This is another reason we already had one earlier. The earlier one was do not boast in men because you are one church, you are one people. Do not divide yourself by who you're following. The next reason he gives, he says, so let no one boast in men for or because all things are yours. What does he mean all things are yours? Well, he clarifies it for us. He says, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, that's all yours. How is Paul mine? How is the world mine? How is life and death mine? How is the present or the future mine? Well, he answers that by saying that you are Christ. By virtue of the fact that we are Christ's and all is His, all is ours. We are literally in Christ. That's one common phrase that the New Testament uses to describe our position. We are in Christ. And Christ has everything. Everything is for Him and through Him and to Him and by Him and all the other hymns, They're all His. And if we are in Him, then by virtue of that connection, by virtue of that relationship of us to Christ... All these things are ours. So why is this a reason to not boast in men? Well, because everything's already ours. There's no reason to boast in anything. There's no reason to selfishly seek after anything. It's all ours. We just haven't fully realized it yet. It's an inheritance that is coming to us when we pass through this age. It's an inheritance. We have not received it yet, but it is ours. Same as when a kid is a teenager, and there's a big inheritance waiting for him. It's not his yet, but in a sense it is his. And that's where we get the already but not yet tensions in the Bible. It is already ours, this inheritance, in a sense. We just have not fully realized it yet. But we will, in our anticipation of the fact that we will have everything, should change how we act and think and talk now in this world. So we should not boast in men because there's nothing to gain by doing that. There's nothing to gain. We have everything already. And it only causes problems as we have seen in causing division in the church. So all things are yours. Think about that too. All things are yours. We do so many things that stress us out, and we get so worked up about stuff, we do things that aren't right, we, we sin in certain ways, all to gain something, to gain something. That's That's what sin does. That's why sin is one of the ultimate deceptions, because it promises you something that it can't deliver. Not only will sin not give you what you think you want in sinning, but you actually already have everything that you need. In fact, you have everything. It's amazing that the Bible talks this way, that all things are ours. We really should do nothing from a selfish motivation because we already have everything. It's incredible that the Bible would talk this way. It's an amazing reality that all things are ours if we are in Christ. And so that's the end. It says you are Christ's and Christ is God's. So let's get to some application specifically to healthcare. I have four things. Well, one of them is kind of not specifically healthcare, but that's okay. The first one, The church is meant to stand apart from the world in holiness and purity. That's the point that we're getting from verse 16 and 17. The church is meant to stand apart from the world in holiness and purity. What that means for us as members of the universal church in that we believe in Christ, and hopefully, as I said, members of a specific church, as members of that church, we are meant also to stand apart from the world in holiness and purity. If that's what the whole group of us is supposed to do as a whole, that's certainly what we are to do as individuals. And so when we are working in healthcare, there are lots of opportunities to be set apart in our holiness and purity, to do what others might not do because it's not self serving. There are a lot of opportunities to go out of our way to act in ways that highlight Christ in our character, not necessarily the verbal speaking of Christ, though that could be involved occasionally and should be involved occasionally as well, but we stand apart in our example and the things we do and say. We stand apart from the world. There's all kinds of things that the world engage in that we do not engage in, and so we want to be mindful of those things. Are there things in our workplace, and there are specifically in healthcare, things where other people just kind of do what everyone else is doing, and those things may not be right. And so if there's those things in our work, we should abstain from them because we are meant, as a member of the church that stands apart, to stand apart. So that's the first application. Number two, God has a special care for those who are part of his people, and so should we. So God is highlighting here the special care that he has for the church. He dwells with them. We've already seen the importance of his temple or where it is that he dwells and communes with people. It's very important. It's precious to God, this relationship that he has with those that he is dwelling with. And so God has a special care for those who are part of his people, and therefore we should as well. Galatians 6.10 puts it this way. It says, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So there's a special care to give towards those who are believers, who are in Christ. And that's not wrong. That's not favoritism That's not bias. Stereotyping is none of those things. It's that there's a special care that God has for those who are his. And God wants us to love them in a way that he would. Now, that's not to say that we don't care for others, that we don't love others well. But it is to say that if there are opportunities for us in our working in healthcare to serve those who are Christians in a special way, we should consider doing that. Because God would have us treat those who are of the household of faith with a special emphasis and a special care. Number three, all things are yours. So in healthcare, are we working as though all things are ours? We kind of touched on this a little bit, but if all things are ours, we should not work in a self-serving manner at all. We shouldn't be trying to make up for some lack in ourselves or in our lives. We shouldn't be seeking after things the world seeks after because we already have the world. It says here, the world is yours. The present is yours. The future is yours. Life and death are yours. So if the whole world is yours, what else do you need to seek after? Nothing. Except to seek after loving each other. So do we work that way? Do we work from a completely self-sacrificing way? Not to serve ourselves, but to serve others. Because we already have everything. Literally everything. Not just everything we need, but everything. We have everything. So let's serve others as though we need nothing, which is true if we are in Christ. And finally, number four, and this is not necessarily related to healthcare, but it's a question that I think this passage wants us to ask. Are you Christ's? Are you his? Because the whole linchpin of this argument comes down to you are Christ, And that's what everything is dependent on. Are you Christ's? So first, have you given your loyalty and belief to him in believing the sacrifice that he gave on the cross for your sins? And in that rising from the dead, you can now have life in him because he conquered death. Also, as an aside, that's why it talks about life and death being yours. Life and death are only yours if you believe in the one who has life and death in his hands, and that's Jesus. So first, have you given your loyalty and belief to him? Second, have you given your life to him? in the things you do and say? Have you committed to actually serve him with the things that you do in your life, with your family, church, school, all these things? And of course, have you given your work to him to serve him there? And in healthcare, there are a lot of opportunities to serve Jesus, because Jesus is the great physician. And he cared for people, he treated people, he loved people well in that role. And so we wanna be able to do that as people who work in healthcare to model what Jesus did. And so have we given our work to him? To say Jesus, I'm going to do what you want me to do at work. My work in healthcare, whatever it is, it could be something that seemingly is not important or that is pretty important. But whatever it is, God has us there for a reason, and God wants us to honor him and serve him there. So are you Christ, have you given all this to him? And that's something that we want to answer before we can apply all these things to our lives. We want to make sure that we're Christ So that is the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Congratulations, we made it. And we're going to continue going. And as you read ahead in 1 Corinthians, you're probably seeing some passages that you're thinking, oh, there's no way that he can get something out of that for us. And I accept that challenge. And we will try. We will try very hard. So thank you for listening to Serving Christ in Healthcare. Email again for the show with Christ in at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at serving Hc or on Facebook, Serving Christ in Healthcare, or on the blog at servingchristinhealthcare.home.blog. blog. Thank you for listening and God bless your work.